Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I think tonight's going to be good because God has been waking me up at 3.30 in the morning. And I am an early riser. My husband is not. I learned something when I got married, and I married, I was a creative, but I married a higher level creative, and I used to think that bad things happened after midnight. You know, you hear that? But when you marry someone like Joel, you realize only good things happen after midnight with a creative. <laughs> All right, well, many of you did just hear a little bit of my story that Pastor Jeff shared, but yes, I was called out of a very successful career in mainstream healthcare to go stand on the front lines of the pro-life family sphere of culture. And in 2015, True Choice Medical Clinics, it was formerly known as Turning Point Pregnancy Resource Center, they shared a wall with what used to be the second biggest abortion clinic in San Diego. In 2017, that abortion clinic shut down. And I just want to tell you, October 13th, 2022, we took over that space and we reopened it to our clinic. And I want to say this because this isn't just a true choice medical clinic win. This is an awakened win. I want to tell you because of your ties, your vision builders, your giving and your partnership, you're the reason why things like that can happen. Where people used to get their health care, now they can get their health care. What used to be a temple of child sacrifice that took over 10,000 preborn children's lives is now an altar for the restoration of the family unit. But here's the deal. We don't just start shutting down abortion clinics overnight. It's really because me and some of the people I run alongside of are willing to actually allow God to transform their lives. You know, when I came to Awaken over 12 years ago, I was what you call like tore up from the floor up, okay? <laughs> I was so broken from generational bondage, from rejection, from trauma, from unresolved wounds of the soul, but God completely restored my life. God delivered me from that, but I had to choose to get on the potter's wheel at the cost of my own comfort to become the deliverer of my family. I believe every family has a deliverer and it might as well be you. You know, Thanksgiving used to remind me of the destruction of my family and now it reminds me of the restoration of my family. Just last year, after praying for 20 years, it was a 20-year miracle in motion. My family got restored in a moment. And it was in such a way that it's almost like God just redeemed all the time. And I don't even remember the pain of the past. And I know there's some people here tonight that you probably think that your family is just too far gone. But I want you to use that testimony to encourage you because... 
You know, with my family, it came down to life and death. It got about as bad as it could be. I almost lost my mom to suicide. I almost lost my dad. But God, our Father, delivered me from it all. He delivered us from it all. So the, initially, the freedom that I received was God delivering me from something. But now, the freedom that I am receiving is God delivering me for something. It started with me, it started with my family, and because of that, I can go into one of the most broken spheres of culture, the destruction of family, and bring true restoration. Your position in life has nothing to do with what has happened to you. It has everything to do with what God can do through you in right relationship with him. And there are many things I feel that God is speaking at this time, but I really feel that this message is a conversation that he wants to have right now because I feel like it's in every conversation. And, and the freedom that I've actually received in this area has been the most transformational thing in my life. And I'm gonna talk about that issue, but if we wanna look at a present issue, we actually have to go back to the origin. If we were to go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, we would see the plan, we would see the original intent and design that God had for each one of his kids. In Genesis one, the book of beginnings, God sets a patent in motion by creating the heavens, the earth, and man. The act of creation alone was God's provision, and he created safety, for his kids to live in. But man was the last thing that he made. And when he made man, he said, let us make man in our image. This represented God as relational. So he made man to be in relationship with him. He didn't make man to be on his own. Actually in Genesis two, that's where God says it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. So the physical provision was not enough for God. He had to provide the relationship for our emotional and spiritual needs. And God created us to model after him. So we were actually created to have a capacity for relationship. And the patent that God set was for his sons and daughters to be his image bearers on earth that we would represent what our heavenly father is like to men and we would love and we would serve men like God does. We were the only part of his creation that he created and said was very good. The Bible says he was so satisfied that he rested. So after he gets out of rest, the first command that he gives is go. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, take dominion, subdue it. Go make things happen. But notice, notice he said be, not do. Because everything that you needed to be to do was created from the very beginning. God got it right the first time. He doesn't make mistakes. It was a command to rule over everything, to reign in life. So he was saying, out of relationship with me, go take action on my behalf. So I was, as I was preparing this message, I began to think about life. And I began to think about the sanctity of life. Do you know what it means? 
It means a person secure from assault and trespass, too sacred to be violated or denied, untouchable. This is the patent that God set from the very beginning for every human life, that every human life was to be treated with the highest value and honor. So we can see the patent that God created from the beginning and how to God, the originator of life, the source of life, and the value and honor that he holds for every human life. How have we gotten to a place where places like Planned Parenthood and men in power like Governor Newsom place no value, no honor on life, and in fact, consider it a problem or inconvenience that should be discarded and want to use our tax dollars to make it as easy as possible to destroy life through abortion. Do you know that if you were to go in another state, you would see billboards that say that California will pay for your abortion in the name of love your neighbor as yourself. How do we get to a point where a measure like Prop 1 seems to just get this landslide victory to murder a preborn child up until birth? How is a life that God deems untouchable, secure from assault and trespass, now considered a problem or inconvenience in culture seems to celebrate its removal. Here's why. You know, the medical community does not recognize it, but abortion is the number one cause of death worldwide. Abortion has taken over 63 million lives in the U.S. alone. But abortion is the fruit. Fatherlessness is the root. Abortion, among many issues, is a byproduct of generations of orphans living without fathers, true fathers. And we're seeing the casualty and the carnage of an identity crisis in the world, and sadly, it's in the church. But it started with the absence of fathers who are meant to be the first image of God that children see on earth. The father is the first representation of what God is like. He's a provider. He's a protector. He teaches us to love and receive love correctly. So when there's a broken relationship with a father or an authority figure on earth, there's a skewed version of God, our heavenly father. Fathers are the, the foundation of families. They set the patent. So if there is no father to follow God and lead the home, there are broken families, broken men, broken children, broken culture. Do you know that the highest statistics of women who are pregnant outside of wedlock and have abortion the highest statistics of incarcerated men in prison, the highest statistics of educational and moral failure come from single family homes where most likely the father is absent. Or maybe they were providing physically, but they weren't meeting the spiritual and emotional needs of their children. So what happened in 2020 actually exposed the identity crisis in the world and sadly in the church and this issue of fatherlessness. And we see now what appears 
to be an orphan generation that has emerged. And an orphan generation is a fatherless generation. People including many Christians with an orphan heart and an orphan mindset, they form the beliefs that I'm all alone and I'll have to do life alone. That there's no one to shape my identity. I have to do that for myself. There's no one to provide for me. I'll have to provide for myself. There's no one to protect me. I'm gonna have to stand against the world and fight alone. And when people live like orphans without a father, they will eventually become victims. Do you know what victims do? Victims get up every single day and rehearse defeat. They rehearse, what happened to me is who I am. And I can't do anything about it, so I'm not gonna take responsibility. In fact, it's someone else's responsibility. And now victims are being celebrated all over the place. You've got men dressed up like women. You've got women marching for women's reproductive rights, like abortion is some kind of badge of honor. You have people who are identifying based on how they feel. So they're being led by feelings. But I'm gonna tell you, church, people do not need to be led by feelings. They need to be led by fathers. Fathers like Eugene Neal. You know, in our clinic, sure, we provide care and we save preborn children's lives and we provide care for women, but we actually place an emphasis on the men because if we, if we know that we can get them restored back to their original God-given identity as kings and priests and they become the ruler in their home, then men and women will follow suit. That's why I appreciate an emerged man like Danny Robles. Danny Robles meets with every man in our clinic. It doesn't matter if you're coming in for an STD test or you're there to be with someone who's considering choosing or not choosing life. And I, it's amazing to see what happens there. They even have a men's lounge, has everything but like the pool table and the whiskey bar. I mean, it is legit. <laughs> so I was at the Pathfinders Conference, Pastor Melissa. And as clear as day, I heard God speak and he said, the identity crisis will end, the storm of abortion will end, and the restoration of the family unit will begin with the resurgence of fathers. But the answer is not to go blame and shame the previous generation of men. We can't go back to the past. In fact, that's the wrong battle to fight. The answer is to actually do what we're doing here through our Emerge Men's Ministry, and it's actually re to restore these men back to sonship, one father, one son at a time. It's to raise up an emerging generation of men that will take their place as kings and priests. They will begin to rule their households. And then we will see the restoration of the family unit. Then we'll see the reversal of Prop 1. And then we'll see more abortion clinics shut down. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna see a completely different shift in culture. We're gonna see a complete culture shift. 
I believe there was a mandate for men to rise up, to come out of the cave, come out of the wine press and build an army. I believe men have to come off of the sidelines of passivity and come onto the front lines and actually say, no, I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm gonna lead, I'm gonna provide, and I am going to protect. And women, ladies, we need to let them do that. I believe men are gonna start the new legacy. The title of my message is Make Fathers Great Again. Has nothing to do with the recent announcement. Maybe, no, I got it before. The Bible says in Romans 8, 19, that, the, that creation is awaiting. Creation is groaning. Creation is in pain, literally waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. What you need, what the world needs is for God's sons and daughters to awaken to the truth and the revelation that they are well fathered by God, our Father. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says this, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty or slavery, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, the spirit of adoption, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And I'll stop there. You know, when you're, when you're adopted, you get full rights and privileges of sonship. When you're well-fathered, your identity is secure, you're provided for, you're protected, you're loved, you're accepted simply because you are a son or a daughter. That's it. The identity crisis that we're seeing as a result of fatherlessness is the forfeit of our God-given identity and the taking on of a false identity of self-preservation and self-sufficiency. Point number one, we have to identify where greatness was lost. Let me paint you a picture from the beginning. And I love this because it proves that God was an entrepreneur, I knew it. In Genesis 2, God plants the Garden of Eden and he hires Adam. He puts Adam, the first man that he made, in that garden to work it and keep it in order. Then he creates Eve to be the helper and the companion because Lord knows he needed that. But in Genesis 3, when the Garden of Eden is fully introduced, the garden is symbolic for our lives. It actually means Eve, Eden actually means a place of pleasure and delight. The Garden of Eden had all the provision that Adam and Eve needed. There was a wall of protection, which created an environment where the presence of God was tangibly felt. The Garden of Eden represented what the kingdom was like. It represented the role of God, our Father, the provider and the protector. But then we also see the devil here. And the devil tried to elevate himself above God. So he got kicked out of heaven. 
So he became the first to be fatherless. He became the first orphan. So now he's on a mission that starts in the garden to orphan God's creation. So he finds an opportunity where Adam is absent and he finds Eve in her vulnerable place. And he paints Eve a picture of the substitute, what she could have, because he wants to appeal to her flesh. And he contests the word of God, which is the absolute truth, by saying, did God really say? I mean, can you trust God? He even said, God doesn't really want you to eat of that fruit because then he knows you'll become just like him. In other words, you don't have to listen to God. You don't have to obey God. You don't have to trust God. You can just become your own God. So then the end game is that he put Eve against herself. And that's the end game. He wants to put you against yourself. So Eve influences Adam. The woman ends up influencing the man. And then they perceive that they lost their identity as God's children. And then they began to take on the false identity of self-preservation and substitution. The Bible says that their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked, so they made for themselves coverings. They began to protect themselves. So these man-made fig leaves were really just fake leaves that gave them a false sense of security. So now we see shame enter. And because of shame, the Bible says they became afraid. And then out of fear began to hide from God. So instead of God being their father and their teacher, their substitutes, shame and fear became their teachers. So they began to identify with what was wrong with them, the shame, instead of what was right with them. They began to substitute God with fear. They began to reject God's protection and began to live from the lie of substitution. So what happened to them and what happens to many people is they choose to lose their God-given protection and they go into self-preservation and then they try to protect themselves. But because they're out of alignment with God's design for them, protecting yourself will eventually destroy yourself. Every replacement for God will eventually cause sickness and stress because the counterfeit version of your life will never give you life. It will always suck the life out of you. Do you know the devil's number one fear is not what you're gonna do on this earth for God? His number one fear is your relationship, your intimacy with God. He hated the intimacy and the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, so he perverted it, and he's been on a mission to do it ever since. So he wants to use every substitute stronghold he can, shame, fear, rejection, abandonment, bitterness, addictions, wounds from the past, every distraction. Or maybe you don't even know you're being distracted because your calendar's so full or double booked. He wants to rob you of intimacy. Into me, God can see. 
Because if he can get you not to talk to your father and you can't hear your father's voice, you will never know the you that God knows. And when you don't know that, you will live your life a substitute version of the life that God had for you. Instead of having your own dream that was given to you by God to fulfill, you will live your life a slave to someone else's dream. God knows that intimacy precedes destiny, but without intimacy, you will never fulfill the assignment that God has for you on earth. So then we see things just continue to get worse in the garden. Shame turns to blame. God starts blaming God for giving him a wife. Are you kidding me? I'm sure there's some single men in here that are like, that is not okay. But you can see the culture of dishonor. And Eve's blaming the devil. But no one is taking responsibility. And then, because they didn't take responsibility in their generation, then they pass it on to their firstborn, Cain, who didn't take responsibility. So he murders his brother, Abel. So it's been just a generational oppression ever since. We need to reestablish intimacy and relationship with God, our Father. It's so important. It's so important to reestablish intimacy and relationship with our fathers here on earth. And we need to recognize the battle that we're in and we actually need to take care of it in this generation so that it doesn't get passed to the next generation. Greatness was lost when Adam didn't take responsibility for the garden that God had assigned him to steward. So this brings me to point number two. I don't mean to be heavy, but we have to talk about these things. We talked about where it was lost, now we're gonna talk about identifying where greatness is found. In Genesis 3.8, the Bible says that the Lord came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve were hiding, but God was searching because God is always looking to initiate relationship with his children despite their behavior. And the Bible says that the Lord called to Adam. See, the devil called to Eve, and we wonder why chaos and confusion ensued in the garden, but God called to Adam. He was the first God had made and he was the one that he made responsible over that garden because he's a God of order. And the reason why we're seeing disorder and confusion in our world is because when men don't step up, women are out of order. They're trying to become men. They're trying to speak for men, but they're out of turn. So no matter how hard they try, they can try to cut off every single part but they're gonna be frustrated because they're never gonna be what they're not, which is a man. So God had to have his alpha man-to-man moment with Adam right here in the garden. Remember, God is the first alpha. That's where we get alpha male from. So he, he called on Adam, but God, it's not that he didn't know where they were. It's not that he didn't know that they had sinned, but he was trying to get them to locate themselves by asking, where are you? Now I believe we're in a Garden of Eden moment right now where God is trying to reconnect with his kids, especially his men. Because real fathers 
initiate connection with their kids and find out where their children are. It's the highest priority for God because he's all about right relationship. So then they reveal, they reveal that they were afraid and, and covered themselves and God still doesn't look at their behavior. He's not really concerned about that. He's more concerned about their heart and their belief systems. So he speaks to them about their identity, saying, who told you you were naked? God was giving them a moment to have an encounter with truth and take responsibility for what had happened. But he was also giving them a moment to restore the relationship, but under his care and under his partnership. And he's always doing this. And you know, in one of my early AMs that I love so much, as I was studying, I came across this scripture, Psalms 139, where David is speaking to God, his father, saying, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. That's enough evidence to tell you that it's not a woman's body and it's not her choice. It is actually God's body and he chooses to give it life. But the Hebrew word in that scripture for knit or wove is the word kashar, which can also be translated to make a covering. He made a covering, he covered me, he defended me in my mother's womb. And the womb is the Hebrew word batin. And it's a word significantly linked to God's sovereign protection, care, comfort, and the calling of the elect. The first time we experience intimate connection and the touch of a real father is when he creates us in the womb. And we wonder why there's such a warfare to destroy the life in the womb. And we wonder why there's such an aggressive attempt to sterilize the womb. And you know what happens to many people is the same place that they're meant to feel God's protection and His love is the same place that they actually feel rejection. So they're actually born into life with a fake covering. They're born into self-preservation through rejection. But check this out. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve made for themselves coverings to protect themselves through self-preservation but what was God's response? What was the response of a loving father? The Bible says he wove together animal skins and clothed them to show them they weren't responsible for their own covering. A real father covers and protects his children. We were never meant to protect ourselves. God wanted to show them that he was their father. He wanted to restore identity and take the shame off of them and put his glory back on them. And even though there were consequences for their disobedience, God wanted to show them that it didn't change the fact that he was still a father to them. God wanted to take off the fake coverings of shame 
and replace it with the covering and protection of a loving father. That's what he does. I believe that God is calling us back to the legitimacy of that moment. I think he's calling us back to the place that he originally intended us to be because we were never meant to provide for and protect ourselves through self-preservation and create a false sense of security. I believe God is asking if he can be our God, our father again, if he can be our provider and our protector. What would happen if we let God be God again? This leads me to the third point and we'll close on this. We must be reconnected and restored back to the Father, the origin of greatness. God is always looking to restore his kids back to sonship. You know, the patent that, I, that God created for us to model with him was started by a man, but unfortunately it was destroyed by the first Adam and maybe some of the men that you have experienced, or maybe some of the people who have hurt you that have been hurt by men. But God sent another man, Jesus, as a redemption plan. He became the rescue mission to restore and recover mankind. He came with the mission to reestablish the heart of the Father and show us what the Father is like. Everything Jesus did pointed to the heart of the Father. If I had more time, I would tell you about the parable of the lost son, where a father sees his kid with an orphan spirit who had left home, who had blown all of his inheritance, and the father just, he sees him from afar. He runs after his boy because he wants to initiate connection. And he welcomes and he says, you're home. He establishes identity and where he is. And he throws a big party. But the first thing he wants to do even before that party is take the filth and the pig slop off of his son and put a royal robe on him. Because for God, it's always about identity. He made him a covering. In a room like this, there's probably some men and some women who probably don't love correctly because you've never learned. And maybe you don't live by life, by God's design because you actually aren't connected to Him. You don't have any relationship with Him. And maybe you've actually never really felt the touch of a real Father that is good. Or maybe there's some people in here that you fall and pray to the substitute version of life. And maybe there hasn't been a flow of God's love to that place. And maybe there's some men in here that are like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm the one that's gonna rise up. I'm, I'm the king and the priest, and I'm gonna take over my household, and I'm gonna bring greatness back, and I'm gonna be the one to make fathers great again. Maybe that's you. So I felt to do tonight is in this last moment, just have, a, just have an altar call because the first, the answer to all of this is to recover and restore the relationship with our heavenly father. This is how fathers become great again. 
And this is how men, women, and children get restored back to the place that God intended them to be. So I'm gonna have everyone stand. Now, if everyone would just have their, close their eyes. This is a night where we need to take responsibility. This is a night where we need to heal from the pain that, that has happened to us in life. This is the moment. So I, wanna, I want to do a general altar call. But if you're here and you actually don't know Jesus, you don't know God as a father because you don't have relationship with him, I wanna give you that opportunity. Is there anyone here who, who doesn't have a relationship with God, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, or either you're, you've been far away and you just, need, you just need to reconnect with Him. You can just raise your hand. I see that hand, beautiful. I see that hand, beautiful. I see those hands, beautiful. Is there anyone else? Beautiful, I see that hand up the back. I see your hand. It's beautiful. Right. Who are those people that are like, you know what? I've been living the substitute version of my life. I know that there are areas in my life that I have walls, that there are areas of my life that I'm not able to receive lo the love of God in that area. Who are those people? We gotta be brave here. See your hand, hands up all over the place. Beautiful, beautiful. Who are those people here who you've actually really been hurt by, by your earthly father or, or an authority figure in your life and you haven't ever really been able to reconcile that pain? Beautiful. men that say, I'm ready. I'm ready to rise up. I'm, I'm going to take the mandate and I'm going to go with it. Come on. There should be hands up everywhere because you can always go to the next level of manhood. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, God. Well, what we're going to do is if you raised your hand, we're going to, this publicly, we need to do a thing. We need to come forward and I want to be able to pray with you. So while the worship team comes and they sings, I want you to come forward. And then we're gonna sing, sing a song together and then we're gonna pray and then we'll minister. So if you're here and you're up here because you're receiving God for the first time, that's the first thing we wanna pray for. And there's gonna be a minister behind you that will pray for you, but then also show you where you can go get a Bible and some, some resources to help you. But let's pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you today that you so love me, that you sent your only son to die for me. Lord Jesus, today, I give you my life. Heaven is my home. God is my father. I am a child of God. Let's give him a hand. God, we 
we thank you right now, God. We thank you, Lord God, there's a new precedent being set here tonight. God, I pray in Jesus' name to break every stronghold of rejection, of fear, of abandonment, of passivity, in Jesus' name. I break and bind right now every trauma and every oppression that came in through wounds of the soul, in Jesus' name. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.